Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Man, good morning. What a sweet presence of the Lord in, in worship. Whew. We get to do that for eternity. And it just keeps increasing for it throughout eternity. So good, so good. Oh, Jesus. Let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, we thank you, God, that we've already encountered you, but it's just beginning. It's just going to increase throughout this service. We just declare increase of anointing in the encounter that we're having with you right now. I just thank you, Jesus. You're so close. You're present. We thank you, Father. You're such a good dad that you're here, that you want to minister to your children. You want to bring your children into a deeper level of connection with you, into a deeper level of peace, to a deeper level of joy. So we just receive those things this morning. Why don't you just put your hands out in front of you. Just say, I receive your joy, Lord. I receive your peace. I receive more of you. Yeah, thank you. God, we just thank you. It's your pleasure. It's your joy to answer a prayer like that. More of you this morning in our hearts. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, if you have back pain, we're going to go after something real quick. Any kind of back pain, stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, those of you around them, I want you to stretch your hands. If you feel comfortable, the people standing and someone next to you, if you feel comfortable with them putting their hand, your, their hand on your back, then you can also put your hand on their back. Thank you, Jesus. You paid for back healing. How many know that it's not God's will for anyone to have pain? It's not God's will for his children to be in pain. So right now, I want you to pray a really simple prayer. Just say, in Jesus' name, back, be healed. Spine, be healed in Jesus' name. Ligaments, be healed. Spine, realign in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to start to move, those of you with back pain, start to bend, start to test it out. Is there any difference that you can feel right now? Just start to bend. Amen. Just wave your hand, those of you that are feeling a difference right now. Amen. We got one. Anybody else? Jesus. We got one. He's a laugher. That must be good. Anybody else? Any difference at all? Thank you, Jesus. Is that, Steve, is that your hand up? Two. Okay. What's going on? Yeah, I don't know. It just started hurting during worship, and I'm just like, that's why I sat down up front. But yeah, it's gone. It's not there anymore. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Praise God. This is like the third person that's prayed for me today for my back. So I've just been going around to all the people I know are good at praying for me on my back. Feels good. Yeah, it's been getting better the whole service. Wow. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Who else had back pain that didn't feel like anything happened? You had some. Okay. Hey, stand up. Okay, he said he feels something going on. More, Lord. Yeah, just start to pray. Jesus, it's not your will for him to have back pain. So right now, kingdom of heaven come. All the pain go. Jesus' name. Start to bend. Move around. It's, uh, I mean, I've had it for a while, different, my crazy MRI stuff. Um, it feels mobile. It still feels, like, cautious, but it feels mobile. Different, though. Yeah. All right. More, Lord. More, Lord. Jesus. More. We had another one. No. <laughs> Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Did you have... Yeah, did you have something or you just wanted more prayer? Either one's fine. <laughs> it's getting better. Yeah, so where were we at before we prayed? One through ten. Probably a seven. And where are you at now? She was a seven? Um, I'm probably about a five right now. About a five. Okay, stretch your hands. Thank you for better, God. Yeah, we just command the spine, be healed in Jesus' name. Line up. Line up with what Christ did on the cross. Right now, in Jesus' name. Start to move. What are you feeling? It's better. Where are you at now? What's your number? Just four. More, Lord. What are you feeling? Thank you, Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Fire, 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 fire. Glory, 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 glory. Jesus. You have children? You have kids? Three kids? Okay. And five grandkids. Yeah. Jesus. I just pray there's a blessing, a new blessing coming this year for your children. You have a son? Two sons. Blessing over your whole family, but specifically your two sons. It's a new blessing coming this year. You've been praying for one of them for a long time. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, God's encountering your sons this year. Thank you, Jesus. God's going to just continue healing your back, the service, throughout the service. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. God is good. If you have your Bibles... Open up to uh, Judges, Judges, chapter 6.
This is a, we're going to read about Gideon this morning. This is the story of Gideon, Judges 6 and 7 is his story. And man, I was just getting hit by the presence of the Lord as I was just reading through this this week and studying it. So one of the things that we can learn from Gideon's story is God's perspective is radically different than ours. And God sees us as mighty warriors, even when we're feeling insignificant, even when we're hiding, God sees the gold and he calls out the gold in us. So the context here in Judges 6 and 7 is Israel has started to worship other gods and God has removed his protection from them. So they began to be pillaged and ravaged by the Midianites. And this is happening for seven years straight. And so we might look at that story and say like, well, that's stupid. Why did they trust in other gods? Why did they put these idols up? And they had these Asherah poles up. But for us, this represents any time that we begin to trust something else in place of our trust in God. Because all these, God, these false gods, basically they had transferred their trust from God to these false gods. So in our lives, when we start to trust something above God, maybe it's our finances, maybe it's our job security, maybe it's a relationship, whatever it is, maybe it's we have, we're trusting you know, in our government more than we're trusting in God. Anytime we do that, it opens us up to be robbed by the enemy. It opens us up to be robbed. It could, you could be robbed of peace. You could be robbed of your time. You could even be robbed financially. But anything that, anytime we displace our trust in God that should be paramount and we trust something else higher than we trust God, it opens us up to get robbed. So during the harvest time, the Midianites would come in great numbers and they would just wipe them out. So think about this. They're working so hard for the harvest. And the harvest comes and the Midianites come. The Bible says like, like the sands of the seashore and their camels are like the sands of the seashore and they just wipe them out. They take all their produce. They take all their livestock. And what's even worse is they come in such great numbers that they just decimate the land. So not only they take everything, but they ruin the land so that it makes it harder for them to plant on it in the future. How many know the enemy doesn't want to just steal from you? He wants to ruin the land that you're planting on so you can't plant on it any longer. The enemy only wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So in Judges 6, 6, it says this. It says, so Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. So there may have been seasons. I, I know there's been seasons like this in my wife and I's lives. Probably, probably not saying that right. Our life. Wife and my, thank you. <laughs> wife and my life. Where it seems like you're building towards something and you're, you're sowing and you're working and it seems like you're right on the edge of, of the victory and then all of a sudden you have a huge setback. So this, this is what they're going through every year for seven years. It's like they're, they're sowing, they're getting ready to reap the harvest and the enemy comes in and just wipes them out. How many have ever felt like that or had that happen in your life? It's like, I can't get ahead. It's like every time I feel like I'm about ready to reap a harvest, the enemy steals from me. So 
So the people go to the Lord. Uh, let's look at verse 8. Judges 6, verse 8. The Lord sends a prophet. They cry out to the Lord, and the Lord sends a prophet. The Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel, and he said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. It was I who brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery, and I rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians and from the hands of all your oppressors, and I drove them out from you and gave you their land. Okay, remember where they're at right now. In, in earlier in Judges 6, it says, a lot of them are hiding in caves. They're hiding in the mountains because the Midianites just come in and just destroy everything. And the prophet comes and he says, remember, as the Lord brought you out of slavery and he's, he's given you or he's gave you the land of your oppressors. How many think that that doesn't sound right to them at this moment? Like, no, did, does the Lord realize that we are hiding in caves? We don't even feel like we possess our own land right now. And, and the word from the Lord is, I've given you the land of your oppressors. That'd be like, imagine if you had a, a home and you were getting, your, your home was getting taken from you. And you get a prophetic word at church and the guy says, the Lord said he's given you the land of your oppressors. You'd be like, that's a bad prophetic word. Does the Lord know I don't even possess my own land right now? I'm getting kicked out of my own land. This is kind of the word they're getting right now. What God says doesn't seem true. I'm giving you the land of your oppressors. Let's pick it up in verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which, began, which belonged to Joash, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, and he's handed us over to Midian. Here's my translation of that scripture of Gideon's response. What are you talking about? Seriously? That makes no sense at all. That makes no sense at all. You calling me a valiant warrior? Do you see what I'm doing right now? I'm hiding food in a wine press. I'm hoping that just this little bit of produce I can hide away and save from the Midianites from, from taking it. The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. I'm hiding. I don't feel like a valiant warrior. Are you serious? This angel must be new. He's given a bad word. I think maybe you got the wrong guy. This seems ridiculous. And it's about to get more ridiculous. Verse 14, the Lord looked at him and said, go in this strength of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Now Gideon responds again, oh Lord, how am I to save Israel? Behold, my family is the least family in Manasseh and I am the youngest in my father's house. 
Yet the Lord said to him, I will certainly be with you and you will defeat Midian as one man. That's a ridiculous word. God comes to him when he's hiding food. And he says, you're going to defeat this amazing, incredible army of Midian that's just coming in like more than you can count. The Bible says it's countless numbers, like the sands of the seashore. Their, their camels are countless. And he looks at this guy who's hiding, calls him a valiant warrior, and says, you're going to defeat Midian as one man. That's a ridiculous prophetic word. I want to ask you this morning, has the Lord given you a word that seems ridiculous? This seems absolutely ridiculous to Gideon. He's like, what are you talking about? You you hear the argument that he's having with this angel. Do you have a ridiculous word from the Lord? If everything that you're dreaming about right now is something that you can accomplish in your own strength, then your dreams are way too small. You're dreaming way too small. I remember in the early days of this church, the Lord would speak to me and he'd say, Daniel, you're dreaming too small. And so I'd start to try to dream bigger and he's like, nope, keep going, still too small. You're, you're, You're seeing things from a perspective that's down here. I need you to raise your perspective. Do you have a ridiculous word from the Lord? Repentance means to change your mind. I know you go to Awaken Life Church, you know that. Repentance does not mean to feel sorry for what you've done wrong. That happens a lot. That happens often when we have true repentance, when God gives us a new perspective. Often we'll feel sorry for what we've done, but that's not what repentance means. Repentance is a very simple definition. In the Greek, it's the word metanoia. It's change your mind. That's it. It's the only definition for this word, repentance. So if you're dreaming too small and you're dreaming down here and God says, I want you to start dreaming up here, the difference between your dreams and God's dreams is repentance. It's changing the way you think. It's changing from your perspective and your mindset to God's perspective. This is what kept happening to me in the early days of the church. I'd be just like, oh Lord, just help us just to pay our bills. And he's like, Daniel, you're dreaming. <laughs> you're dreaming too small. And I'd be like, okay, Lord, Next level, and he's like, no, you're still dreaming too small. I had to have repentance, changing the way I think to think like God thinks. This is called repentance. Sometimes we need to repent for small thinking. God wants you to think bigger. We need to change what we believe about our situation and ask God what he sees. You will defeat Midian as one man. That's a ridiculous word. Notice the angel didn't say, Gideon, don't worry, God is going to defeat the Midianites. He said, you will defeat Midian as one man. This is a powerful word. This is going to break off some religious lies about God and who he is. Sometimes we're waiting for God to do something and he wants to partner with us to do it. 
Now, there are certain things that are absolutely, they're out of our control. And we are praying and we are believing, God, you're going to move in this area. And it's not something that's within our control. But there's so many things in our life that maybe we have a passion for it. Take note of what makes your heart move. Because there's so many things in life that you might have a passion for that maybe you're in an unhealthy balance of like, God, you need to do something. And God's saying, no, you're going to defeat Midian as one man, as one woman. He wants to partner with you. God wants to partner with you. He could have defeated Midian, but he chose Gideon to defeat Midian. You're going to defeat Midian as one man. That just struck me so much this time when I was reading through that passage. Gideon is probably feeling pretty powerless. If you're hiding food, you probably feel pretty powerless. And here comes this word from the Lord that seems completely ridiculous. Do you have a ridiculous word from the Lord? Do you have one that you need to pick back up that maybe you've laid down? Maybe you need to get one. Some of you need to get a ridiculous word from the Lord that's bigger than you. How many know that you can't always judge a word based on whether it resonates or not? (laughs) That word did not resonate with Gideon. He's like, what are you talking about? Sometimes God will give you a word to take your thinking from here to here, to start destroying strongholds that you believed about yourself. Gideon, none of that made sense to Gideon. And God came in with this hammer of cracking these lies that he believed about himself. Sometimes a word is meant to help bring you into repentance, to change the way you think. Let's go to verse 25, Judges 6.25. Now on the same night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah pole that's beside it. Again, why is Israel in this mess to begin with? They begin to put their faith in false gods. So God tells him to tear down the false gods. This represents tearing down everything we've put in our faith, or everything we've put our faith in outside of God. In the days ahead, I'm not putting my trust in money to feel secure. I'm not putting my trust in the government to feel secure. I'm not saying that I don't care about what's happening in government. I do. And I know there's a lot of powerful people in our church that they are trying to bring the kingdom of heaven into government. And we need to do everything we can to champion them, love them, hold their arms up and support them because it is important. So I'm not saying it's not important. We need to go after those things. I'm saying I'm not putting my trust there. I'm not putting my trust in what's going to happen in government. I'm not putting my trust in my finances. I'm not putting my trust in anything outside of God. Because anytime we begin to displace our trust of God with other things and we start putting these things above our trust in God, it opens us up from the en- or it opens us up to the enemy to be robbed. Robbed of peace, robbed of time, robbed of joy. 
We put our trust in God, and then he gives us heavenly perspective. He gives us the kingdom to bring into those areas. Amen? I'm actually excited about the future. If you've, if you've put your... If you've not put your trust in God or you've put your trust in something higher, a little bit higher than God, you might think that's a ridiculous statement right now. I'm actually excited about the future, not because of current circumstances, but because the Lord has spoke to me directly. He's like, Daniel, no matter what happens in the future, I'm going to bless and I'm going to protect your family. And that word is not just for me. That word is for all of you if you, if you put your trust in God. Daniel, no matter what happens in the future, this, is, this word came to me and it was very important because it was before all the crazy stuff started happening in our nation. And so I held on to that word. When all this pandemic and all the stuff started happening, I held on to that word. God, you said, you're going to protect me and my family no matter what happens. Let me ask you something. Is that word congruent with what the Lord says about us in, in scripture or, or am I just off here? The righteous are like the light of dawn that will get brighter and brighter and brighter until the full day. The Bible is filled with stories of people who were in much more tumultuous times than we were, and God protect them and sustained them and blessed them and gave them influence. What do you believe about your situation? What do you believe about what's happening in our world do you believe that God is your source? God is going to protect you. God is going to sustain you. Or do you trust, you put your, your trust more in the government and what's going to happen with there? What's, what's going to happen with that? Amen. Psalm 27, 20, verse 7. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Here's how that reads in the Passion Translation. Some find their strength in, the, in their weapons and wisdom, but my miracle deliverance can never be won by men. Our boast is in Yahweh, our God, who makes us strong and gives us victory. Are we basing what the future is going to be like for us on what we can see or on what God has said? Sometimes we'll know what the Lord wants to do just by looking at where the enemy is attacking. Sometimes we'll, we'll have a clue of even what God wants to do by just looking at where the enemy is attacking. Look at this story. The word comes from the Lord. God is causing you to possess the land of your oppressors. What's the attack of the enemy? They feel like they don't even have their own land. They feel like they don't even, they're not even able to occupy their own land. And God says, I've given you this land and you're going to possess the land of your oppressors. Sometimes we can look at what the enemy is attacking and we can know what God wants to do. Gideon felt insignificant. He said, my family is the least family and I'm the least in that family. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I want to submit to you that the enemy has been attacking him in the area of his significance his whole life. 
He feels insignificant. And God comes and brings an opposite word because God is actually knows how significant he actually is. God will give you a word that's meant to crack the lie that you're believing about yourself. I want to share this story with you. This is one of my favorite stories that's not my own personal story. It's our friend Levi's story, and I've told it before. Uh, but some of you are new, and some of you just don't remember things. So I'm going to tell it again. I love this story. So Levi and his other Christian friend trick their atheist friend into going to a revival meeting. That's just a great beginning to a story right there. So they trick their atheist friend into going to a revival meeting. And they sit in the second row and... Their friend, the atheist, sits next to a blind man. And the minister, like they didn't know the minister. He was just moving by the Holy Spirit. The minister calls the blind man out and he brings him up on stage. He has his hand on his head and he looks right at the atheist and he goes, blind eyes open. And everybody in that place watched the color come back into this person's eyes and they received their sight. Levi said, my friend came to that meeting an atheist and he left an agnostic. Something cracked. It's like, I can't continue to believe what I was believing. Something cracked in his beliefs. See, atheism is just, it's a high and lofty thing that's been exalted against the knowledge of God. It's just a stronghold. And God has ways to crack the stronghold of atheism. And so he left that meeting. He's like, I can't keep believing what I believed. He, was an ag- he went from an atheist to an agnostic. Now, he was actually, like some of the guy's backstory, is he was a really intelligent guy, and he would, convert Christian, he would try to convert Christians to atheism, try to talk them out of their faith. How many know if you've been talked into Christianity, you might be able to be talked out of it? But if you've had an encounter with God, you can never be talked out of it. So he went from an atheist to agnostic to radically saved, and now he's an evangelist for Jesus Christ. (laughs) Now uh, Levi's like, he's one of the most amazing evangelists. He's just like everywhere he goes, like sharing Christ with people. Because God did something, and he cracked that lie of atheism. God wants to give you a word. He wants to set you up. He wants to encounter you in a way that cracks open the lie that you've believed about yourself. God is with you, valiant warrior. Crack. I thought I was an insignificant nobody in a family of nobodies in the least tribe of all the tribes. The Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor Say, I am rich. Stop confessing where you're at and start confessing what God says. Don't give someone a prophetic word about where they're at and call it a prophetic word. The prophetic looks into the future and sees what God sees and calls it into the present. This is, this is one of the reasons that we have the prophetic. Prophetic. 
So you may get a word that seems ridiculous to you. But you need to ask, God, is this you trying to crack unbelief in my life? Crack the lie that I have about you against myself? All right, I want to talk to you about the imagination. This was on my heart this week. God gave us our imagination to imagine what our future looks like with him radically showing up in it. This is what your imagination for. How many know God loves your imagination? Again, where does the enemy try to attack? Your imagination. He wants your imagination to be his playground. God wants you to be, your imagination to be the area and the place where you dream with him. And you ask him, God, show me. I'm thinking here. What are you thinking? This is what you use your imagination for. Stop confessing where you're at. Start confessing what God has said and start to dream with God about what it's going to look like. Wendy talked about this when she was here. She talked about declaring something, but then starting to imagine with God what it looks like. Start to dream with God. What is this going to look like when it happens? Start to picture it. Start to feel it. What is this going to feel like? Dream with God. This is so powerful. This is a declaration that I started doing, and it just really challenged me when I started doing this declaration. This declaration will challenge you to dream bigger and imagine with God. So here's the declaration I started doing. I like to dream dreams bigger than my current dreams 10 times and 100 times. I like to dream dreams bigger than my current dreams 10 times and 100 times. Try this. Sit down. Be like, okay, what am I dreaming about for my family? Let's, let's just say family for starters. What am I dreaming about about my marriage? Okay, this is what I'm dreaming about. Okay, what's 10 times that? You just have to start imagining with God. God, what, what's 10 times of my dreams? Okay, God, what's 100 times? You, you, start, you have to get really creative. I start doing that with this church. I'm like, <clears throat> okay, God, here's my dreams for Awaken Life Church. Now, what's 10 times that? Now you have to start imagining like, oh, we're not just impacting Phoenix. We're going to impact all of Arizona. God, what's, what's 100 times? Okay, we're not just impacting Arizona. We're impacting the United States and the whole world and church plants and missionaries going all over the world and revival breaking out in Phoenix that spreads all over the world. I mean, you start to dream big. I like to dream dreams that are 10x times my current dreams and 100x. Start dreaming that way about your family, about your, your son that's struggling right now, about your, your kids. God, what's, what am I dreaming for them? And what, what are you dreaming? You have to call, you have to use your imagination to bring, and bring him into it when you start to say, what's 10 times that? What's 100 times that? I want to challenge you to do, start dreaming with God. Start dreaming with God. We need to make a practice of imagining and dreaming with God. We're doing that with the building. You know, I stopped praying for, oh, Jesus. I stopped praying for God to give it, to help us find like a building that we could afford. And I started praying, God, just give us a building. And somebody said the other day, they said it, it, it could, uh, I don't know if they said it like a prophetic word, but they're like, it, it could be someone that's not even a Christian. 
and they just, God puts it on their heart to give us a building. That's happened. That's happened to a lot of, lots of churches. Make it a practice of imagining with God. Start, start partnering with us in our next building. Start imagining what God's going to do in our next building. What kind of building is he going to give us? What's going to happen there? What kind of revival is going to happen? What kind of miracles are going to happen? Start imagining with God in your relationships, your marriages, your family relationships, your friendships. Start imagining with God in your situations. Start imagining with God in your finances. I was imagining, um, I, have a, I have a business that I do, and I was, I was imagining like what I would think of success, and then I was like, okay, what's 10 times that? Okay, what's 100 times that? We declared it this morning. God has given me the power to create wealth. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. So we need to believe, this is something Wendy talked about, we need to believe that God actually wants to bless us. We need to change. If we have this stronghold about money, well, I don't know if I can be trusted with too much. I don't know if God's okay with me having too much money. We need to break that one, church. God wants to transfer the wealth of the wicked into the hands of the righteous so that we can do amazing things with it. Amen? One of our, my wife and I's declarations, wife and my, (laughs) my wife and my declaration, one of our declarations is that we want to get to a place in our finances where we can bless people $1,000 at a time. Oh, the Lord just told me to bless this person $1,000. And we want to make a practice of doing that. Oh, we're going to bless this person $1,000. How many know God's got to bless us to be able to do that? We got to be blessed so that we can do that. So when you do this, when you dream with God, you begin to cultivate hope in your life. Hope is such a powerful weapon of God. He's the God of hope. So when you begin to dream with God, see the enemy wants you to dream with him. What's going to happen when this this happens? What's going to happen when this, that happens? I'm, I'm resisting things that are coming to mind. The enemy wants you to dream with him. And when we dream with him, we're imagining our future without God showing up. When we dream with God, we're imagining our future with God radically showing up, and hope arises inside of us. So many of us are afraid to hope because we don't want to be disappointed. You know, there's a scripture for that. Romans 5.5, hope does not disappoint. What a great scripture that God gave us to war against the lie of hope. I don't want to hope because I don't want to be disappointed. Hope does not disappoint. Romans 5, 5 says, for the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Start to imagine with God and watch your hope arise. Watch hope start to, to rise up in you about your son that's went astray, about your marriage that maybe is not as great as you would want it to be, about your business that maybe is not doing as good as you want it to be, about your work situation that is maybe is not as good as you want it to be. 
Start to dream and start to hope with God and imagine with him, imagine him radically showing up. What's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? Start to partner with him in your imagination and your hope arises. And when your hope arises, man, it's powerful. It'll change your emotions. When you're imagining with, with the enemy, you'll be discouraged constantly. When you're imagining with God, you'll be full of hope and you'll, your emotions, your joy will rise up. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? This is David, Psalm 42. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a... What are you doing when you imagine with God? You're just entering into that scripture. He said, I've got plans to give you a future and a hope. Okay, God, you said you're going to give me a future and a hope. What is it? Show me. What, what, is, what does my future and a hope look like in my marriage? What does a future and a hope look like in my financial situation? God, show me what you're seeing. Start to imagine it. God, you said that you have plans to prosper me. Will you show me what those plans are? Start to imagine it. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're afraid to hope. God says, I want you to abound in hope. Overflow with hope. You're just hopeful in everything. You're just like filled with hope and you're asking God what his perspective is all the time about the situations around you. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The key to that scripture is in believing. When you imagine with God, you practice the in believing part of that verse. God, I'm just going to be radical enough to just believe that you're going to do something crazy in this situation. What's your ridiculous word for this situation, God? It just seems ridiculous. I challenge you to make it a practice to start dreaming, start imagining with God. Use your imagination to partner with him to say, God, what are your plans for a future and a hope for me in, in these areas? Start to dream dreams bigger than your current dreams, 10 times and 100 times. So you guys know the end of the story with Gideon. He's got an army of over 30,000. I think it's 33,000. God says, your army's too big. If you go in with 33,000, they're going to think they did it. <laughs> they're going to think they did it. I love God. He's like, he waits till Abraham and Sarah, like the Bible says, he waited until their loins were absolutely dead. So that there's no way they could say, we did this. That wasn't God's promise. God's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Gideon, if you go in there with 33,000, they're going to think that they did it. So we're going to whittle it down. God whittles it down to 10,000. And he's like, that's still too many. They're going to think that they did it with 10,000. Whittles it down to 300. It's like, all right, we can work with 300 against countless sands of the seashore army. 
they go into battle with a trumpet in one hand and a box with a torch in it in the other hand. This doesn't sound like the most military, brilliant military strategy. Take a trumpet and a box, and it's got a torch in it. They blow the trumpet, and they break the box, and they hold up the torch. The enemy becomes terrified and destroys itself. Let me give you my take on this. The trumpet is your declaration. You look out at the vast army that's like insurmountable, and what are you declaring over it? Are you looking at it and and calling out what you can see? This is impossible. So many of us do that. God, this is too many people. This is impossible. You know what they declared? They 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 blew the trumpet. This this will just challenge your theology. They said, "For God, and for Gideon." That challenges my theology. For God and for Gideon. And they blow the trumpet. The trumpet's your declaration. Are you declaring what you can see? Or are you declaring what God says? The torches they were carrying represent the fire of God. They're holding up the fire. They're holding up the fire. When they held up the fire and they sounded the trumpets, the enemy destroyed itself, and they shouted for God and for Gideon. Remember, God said to Gideon, you're going to destroy Gideon as one man. Man, God just really likes to partner with us. And I believe, like, the declaration was like, God loved that. It's like, yeah. I told Gideon he was going to defeat Midian. And we did it together. God and Gideon partnering together to destroy an army. For God and for Gideon. This thing's a partnership. God wants to partner with us. He wants to dream with us. He wants to imagine with us. He wants us to imagine with him. Isn't it amazing that we carry a fire within us that causes the enemy to destroy itself? What an amazing military like victory. I blew a trumpet, held up a fire, and the enemy just destroys himself. This has got to be the greatest military victory ever because they didn't even have to fight. That's the kind of battle I want to be in where we just hold up the fire of God and the enemy destroys itself. Would you stand this morning? Joey, would you come on up? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Lord, open up our our mind to imagine with you, Jesus. We just repent right now for the areas that we've allowed the enemy to run our imagination and bring fear and anxiety. And Lord, we want to begin to partner with you in our imaginations. For I know the plans of the Lord I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Okay, God, we stand on that word. Show us what you see in our future. Show us how you're going to do it.
We dare to imagine. We dare to hope. We dare to dream bigger. We dare to believe things like the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. We dare to believe things that God's given us the power to create wealth. We dare to believe things that you say you're the God of hope, that we can just be overflowing with hope about our marriages, about our relationships, about our situation that maybe is not going good, about our businesses. Lord, help us to be the most hope-filled people in the world. I just bless everybody here and every family represented. Jesus' name.